Today on Hidden Jukebox, we are going to discuss the 1998 masterpiece Mezzanine by English trip-hop group Massive Attack. Mezzanine was the third album for Massive Attack. They were originally known as the Wild Bunch and were part of the Bristol music scene. Massive Attack, Robert, 3D, Delnaya, Grant, Daddy G. Marshall, and Andy Mushroom, Vowels Mush. Hidden Jukebox, the show where we take a great 90s album and see where it takes us. I'm Matthew Amsterburton. I'm Laura Lowe. Now, can we start by talking about those nicknames? Because I, I feel like there are some ty- some bands and some genres where it's more acceptable to have a nickname. I mean, sometimes it's required. Like, uh, you know, in, in hip-hop, it's almost mandatory, right? In in trip-hop, like our, I mean, I guess, you know, Tricky, that's that's a nickname. Uh, these, these nicknames, like, I, I feel like 3D is a pretty cool nickname, I don't know about Daddy G. I, I think I think that's one where, like, about six months into having the nickname, you're like, "What have I done?" Right? Well, but if you're the most famous Daddy G, then it doesn't matter. I guess. Do you think he ever got confused with um, Mac Daddy or no. Daddy Mac? From- no. Okay. No. I think I think that <laughs> I think that their names probably came out of inside jokes. Or, yeah, of course. I mean, they were all hanging out in Bristol and which was very complex. Um, the Thatcher years, there was riots yeah. and there was a lot of um, turmoil and uh, more class than racial strife, but it, there was definitely... Um, what I kind of learned was that after there were these big riots, the police decided to just kind of let people do what they wanted. So there was this big underground music scene that flourished and people would dance in the streets. And um, it really helped. And a lot of the folks that were living there came with their own musical styles from different countries. There sure. was a lot of dub. There was a lot of um, reggae and um, this band kind of encompasses the fusion of all of the different kinds of people that were in Bristol and making music. And um, I think it's super representative of a place and an urban place. And so I think that that's part of what appeals to me. Now, you, when we were preparing for this episode, you said like this album reminds you of, you know, going going to raves and like staying out till 4 a.m. And, uh, you know, that, that, that feeling that uh, I have never really experienced. I think I've been to a dance club one time. Maybe maybe two times. This is definitely a stay-up-all-night album, whether that would be with, like, 10 friends. Um, oftentimes, I was the person that wasn't on drugs, but everyone else was. Uh-huh. Um, and Did, so, Does that make you, like, the designated something? Um, no, it made me feel sometimes, like, left out a little bit to not be the one that was... It was a lot of, like, sure. ecstasy and other things. And sometimes I just feel... I felt, like, kind of left out of it. Um, but I was like kind of scared to do it. Yeah. Uh, I finally did do it one time and it was fantastic. And then that scared me too. Cause I was right. like, that was like of the course. best night of my life. Oh my gosh. I could do that every weekend. Um, but so I associate this with staying up all night, going, maybe starting out at a bar and then ending up at someone's house or yeah. like on a rooftop. Um, so it's just general like party music. Uh-huh. Um, and then, I also associate it with um, as a kind of like foundational gateway to many other kinds of music 
and like like what? Um, just but, lots more electronic music. Uh-huh. Um, like later on, listening to like Air, more recently like the XX, yeah. or like kind of the lineage of it. So to me, it's like the incubator for a lot of different sounds that you can then go in different directions with. Um, and, you know, I think of uh, later on um, the guy from Blur and then Gorillaz and right. like a lot of the, when you get kind of an interracial band and what that, and all the different influences. And then um, I studied singing. And so there you have in this album, just some beautiful, beautiful singing by different women, yep. but in particular, uh, Elizabeth Fraser from Cocteau Twins, adding not just um, a very specific, light, classical, jazzy, musical sound, but lyrics that are really intense. And uh, one of the songs was, we should, we could start with. Yeah, let's uh, do it. Teardrop was, the lyrics were for... Uh, her lover, Jeff Buckley. And this this was the only song on the album that I really knew well, purely because I've seen every episode of House MD. And Which it's I've the, never seen. It's the theme song. Okay. I, this is going to be this episode is going to be a big learning experience for me because uh, this is not an album that I know. Uh, this is not a genre that I know. Um, I was glad when you suggested it because I was like, okay, I know that's an important album from the '90s, and uh, and we have to do it. And I would like to find out more about it. Um, here's my first stupid question: Is this a song that you dance to? Yes. It. When I think of dance music, I think fast. How, like, what kind of dancing? If you could, if you could um, use words to describe a style of dancing, you got glow sticks in your hands, okay. and you've been dancing all night. Like, to a lot of times, the places I would go would have like I would. You could go to different spots in the mini golf course that had been taken over for the rave. Are you serious? Yes. And you could go to different, you could go over by the castle and it would be like jungle music. I want the windmill. Could, what what are they could, playing at the windmill? Uh, trance music. Okay. Or you could go, so you could go to different parts of the outdoor 
the Southern California, you know, the outdoor place. A few times it was at a mini golf course. That was like my favorite. Um, and so you could kind of choose the genre of music that you wanted to dance to. Okay. And then, um, you know, maybe as it got later in the night, and this would be the, more the kind of music. And so at that point, um, I have a couple of things I want to read. Okay. One of my friends um, was a DJ back then, and I was asking, I asked online for people's memories of this album. Um, the first one I'll share actually is um, my friend, uh, I won't say her name. <laughs> sure. I have sex to that album so often that I cannot consider one single sex act story. It's more like my underlying soundtrack. Um, and then that I can that definitely makes sense to and, me. And then this was even more intense, which was really beautiful. Um, she said, "My partner's child was born to that album. It was on repeat for three hours." Yeah. And I thought that that was just super beautiful. So. Um, that that gets to something something that I want to see if we can get into a little on on this album, which is, I I have never really learned how to appreciate music where the point of the music isn't to just like sit and actively listen to the song that it's sort of meant to be used as a soundtrack for doing something else, mm-hmm. um, and this feels to me like like one of those albums. That's a really good point, and and so. I, I want to hear more about like people's people's stories, including your stories about like you know how what's what's the right way to appreciate okay, this album because I've been a, listening to it like at ten a.m. Sure, in my, my apartment no, no, no. on volume level here's, three. Here's my DJ my DJ friend. Okay, I was in San Francisco shortly after it came out, getting my first tattoo. The artist asked what I wanted to hear, so we listened to that album in, in its entirety. However, it was periodically punctuated by screams and yelps. The woman next to me was also quite young and getting a large tramp stamp. She kept howling and then saying, no, it's okay, continue, and howling some more. Um, And then she also says more recently, it reminds her of singing uh, karaoke at the Mercury. Um, Uh And then... I asked, do you think most people our age associate this with a really amazing, innocent, yet naughty time in their lives? And she said, it wasn't a particularly innocent time in my life, (laughs) although it was certainly an entertaining time. I also DJed a lot of tracks from that album in chill rooms at raves. It certainly could be. Uh, She said, I was more often in the middle of the night soundtracking people on ecstasy groping each other. Sure. So it's the point at the night where you're like tired from dancing and you're groping someone. Um, I mean, that sounds great. Is it (laughs) is it acceptable to go to the rave and spend like 90 percent of your time in the chill room? Um, I'm going to take that as a no. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like you'd be missing out on some really good DJs. Okay. Oh yeah, sure. You'd be missing out on some like really fantastic, like exciting moments and, and you'd be missing out on, I mean, you'd probably miss out on half your friends. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So part of going to raise is about, um, you know, everyone's working these shitty retail jobs and has these terrible hours and some people work nights and some people work weekends and, it's like a holiday. So okay. so the raves weren't happening that often. So you'd kind of know like a couple of months out and that you would be able to like see those people again that you hadn't seen for a while. Oh, that's really cool. So it was like a reunion and a community. And maybe there was people that you'd met at previous raves that you'd like get to see again finally that you hadn't seen in a while. Where where were you living when, when you were going to this kind of thing? Um, Illinois and Southern California. 
both. I yeah. went to some raves in Wisconsin in the middle of the nowhere. <laughs> like it was at a sports bar, but it was taken over by all these kids with, again, there's always glow sticks. Glow sticks, yeah. Glow sticks, yeah. It wasn't quite, the, now people get like super dressed up and Ooh, like I don't angel like that wings at all. and makeup and... I don't remember it being so much like that at the beginning. Like it was a lot of people wearing sort of kind of baggy hip hop clothes, but mm-hmm. maybe more brightly colored and then maybe like some cool hairstyles. I definitely so, had blue hair at the time. Yeah. So I think I I think I was never really invited to this sort of thing. I think I might have been like a little old already when it was when it was getting underway, at least where I was living, possibly. Um, and, but it, it sounds like, it sounds like it was a very accepting environment. Um, it was incredibly. Cause I think if I had been invited, I would have felt like, oh, like I would be picked out as a total poser at no, this thing immediately. No, 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 I had friends that I brought with me many times that definitely were like, I'm not wearing the right thing or I'm not going to know how to dance or whatever. And then, um, absolutely. Because there's a variety of spaces to choose from. Yeah, I didn't know this at all until until you told me. Yeah, there'll be. That's not always true. Uh-huh. This was just the kind of scene that I was in. Even um, so, my brother, my parents are very liberal, and they would let my brother um, and his friends get a generator truck and drive out into the Los Padres National Forest and a dried out riverbed and have a rave in the moonlight. Amazing. And sometimes, even then, there would be like two DJs. Um, for 50 people. Sure. <laughs> because people wanted to like show off. They'd been practicing all week. So for the DJ, from the DJ's perspective, my brother would practice like eight, 10 hours a day to get like the perfect set and the perfect mix. Yeah. And, and um, it's a lot of practice. It's intense amounts of just the same thing as any musical instrument. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you finally get a chance to like reveal your amazing work that you've been doing. Um, so one more friend of mine, um, I reached out to, I asked them about this album and, um, they went straight to, this is a party album. And, um, and I was like, well, what kind of parties? And they're like house parties. And so we spent a lot of time talking about ecstasy and how hard it was to get it. And you'd like wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And then like, you would get like a big batch of ecstasy and then, you know, you would have to like kind of ration it out. I feel like an, an economist has probably written a paper about <laughs> it was, this. It was, And then, and so I said, I was like, so what did it cost? Like I couldn't remember. And it was like $20 like for a tab. Okay. So it wasn't about the expense. It was about, in this case, the people that I was hanging out with that were doing that, um, they all went to like college and, they were super nerdy and like kind of snobby about it for sure. And so it was like, it had to be pure and it had to be from a source that we trusted. And like all of this, all these like standards, uh-huh. which of course. I, which it's like, you never know what you're getting. That's just like a false illusion. Like now, isn't, isn't there like uh this is like a thing I've heard of, but I don't know if it really exists that like you can get your drugs tested at a rave. I don't know about okay. that. That's, <laughs> That is like the reason that I was going to were thing. very basic. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're talking about like 96 sure. or 94, or 95. Like, yeah. Okay. Or, no, then I wasn't too old for this. I was just too dorky. <laughs> basically. No, it just wasn't. Yeah. You didn't, 
you didn't you weren't curious enough to go and get over that initial barrier right because once you got also, over I wouldn't that know where to go oh yeah you did kind of have to so a lot of it was was not it wasn't corporate sponsored oh yeah of course there was no like monster energy drink tent or any of that stuff <laughs> i would have shown up at the wrong warehouse and yeah, like knocking yeah. out the door so i didn't get to go to any warehouses like all the things i did were like outside no i would rather go to the mini golf course it was that sounds very great. fun yeah i also went to one oh man it, it, the, the party could be called like 18 holes of something <laughs> not sure yeah so the um the thing that my friend and I were talking about is that we feel like um, he's down in LA still. And we're talking about how like we think that our generation, the people that were partying back then are still partying really hard oh. and they switched to like Adderall. Um, that sounds much less fun. And I've noticed that um, I've been hanging out with people in Seattle that like to party. And that's like definitely the 40 year old drug that people are doing still. Coke and Adderall. So there's like not a lot of ecstasy anymore. I don't know why they switched to Coke and Adderall. Maybe it allows them to like still function at their jobs. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of partying still. And then I also spend a lot of time around like activists in their 20s. And they're like playing board games and reading poetry oh, and drinking wine. Oh, that doesn't wine. surprise me at all. And like, I'm like, wait, why is my generation still all like doing drugs? And then like the next generation is like, playing board games it's i'm not saying that there aren't drugs there but it's not like they're like yeah i'm partying now. I, mean, I think the answer is that young people are better than us okay that's that's my observation like you know i have i have a 13 year old and uh so i don't know much about what like 18 and 19 year olds are doing but the the 13 and 14 year olds are so much more well adjusted than than anyone i knew at that age it's very um, strange. You know, not that they don't have any problems. It's Is it just a way like, of rebelling against their parents that are still using drugs? I don't know. Like maybe like it's like it skipped a generation. I I think it's I think it's partly, perhaps more that there is, so much like more acceptance of like being a weirdo. Um, I mean, not you know I don't want to overstate mm. that, but that like. You know, it, it seems to be less the case that if you're some kind of weirdo or, you know, sexual minority or um, or whatever, like you're not going to be isolated to the same extent that you were uh, when when we were that age, especially if you live in any kind of city. Interesting. Um, and so you don't need drugs to to deal with that isolation to the same extent, I guess. Interesting. No, we should listen to some music. Yeah. OK, please. <laughs> please too serious. Yep. Um, okay, so one that jumped out at me was uh, Inertia Creeps, so let's do that. I like how every song fades in. It's the build-up.
So I, I think like listening to this again now, it's it's clear that one reason it jumped out at me is because it has a very uh, classic pop song structure to it mm. that some of the other ones don't. Yeah. Um, and uh, but but what what's something that's interesting to me about about this song and uh, and this album in general compared to a lot of the things I listen to is the way um, the the voice is is often used more as as just another instrument rather than the main focus. Definitely. Um, and, uh, you know, that uh, in uh, in a way that's like like related to hip hop, but but uh, not storytelling in the same way, like the 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 flow of the vocals is really critical to the sound of the whole piece. Yes. And the the thing to me that's liberating because it's like the lyrics are like stream of consciousness or like abstract poetry. Yeah. And so you can kind of make the meaning what you want. Even if you listen really, really, really closely, there are stories that are being told. Yeah. Um, but the the use of the vocals throughout their other albums um, and making sure that their accent is still present uh-huh. and like it's a really strong accent. Again, it's like that sense of place. It's like we are very proud that we are from Bristol yes. and that we have a Bristol sound and that we're part of... It's that intentional community representation. Like we're representing our community um, and we're going to have this be extremely authentic. And and then all the world music influences. Yeah, I I read that uh, that. That uh, that first part that comes in is is very Turkish influenced, like Turkish dance music influenced. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Yeah, and I think this again this stands the test of time or whatever because there's still musicians now making similar music. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of this that sounds like it could have been written in. 2017 yeah for sure and you can you can tell like every every second of, of this song was like the every track was sweated over oh um, yes and uh and like you know so when then when i read like a uh, description of like the the production of the album and how like it took them forever yes um that made a lot of sense but it doesn't but it doesn't sound like overworked yes and i th- it's you know it's their third album and there was conflict over the album and the band member left so shortly thereafter, which um, we discussed also on Celebrity Skin that also yes. happened. Um, so that I thought there, that was an interesting parallel. Uh, I th- We need to do more stuff. Like uh, we did, uh, um, I don't know if this episode is going to air. We'll probably revisit it. Uh, Bell and Sebastian, Tiger Milk, um, uh, this one. Um, I, I, I like that you pointed out that the accent comes through um, mm-hmm. because uh, that... You know, there are so many uh, British musicians that sing uh, with it with an American accent, right? And um, so, yeah, in Bell and Sebastian, the Scottish accent comes through. Yes, Magnetic Fields. Oh my gosh, you're like hearing his like life. Yes, like, it's like he's putting all of his his accents into it, all of his self. And uh, so, I think I have a pick for next time that that also will be nice. heavily English accented. Great. Um, I uh, the thing that that jumped to mind immediately when you said that was like probably my favorite British accent on record, um, which is unfortunately not for the 90s, but do you know um, The Streets? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, (laughs) Can we listen to Exchange? Yes. I love this one. (laughs) 
this intro is almost like a like a stereo lab space age bachelor pad sound drugs takes an incredible toll on your body and your mind and you get yeah, I've heard that you get really it's really amazing the come down and so when you're coming down you want to like hold on to this is what something someone said to me about this album mm-hmm. it was a way in the morning to keep the good feelings from the night before and to kind of take the edge off that like huge crash that happens because yeah. your body's just like so sad and so depressed and like you know it's gonna happen and so you're prepared for it but nothing can really prepare you for how sad you are and right. so it's like this is there's certain albums that you could listen to that like extend the euphoria and kind of like yeah and take the edge off that like extreme like crash can we use this track as the as the intro for the for the episode yes okay and um so you, so you could coming from like a rock background you know you, you could be really frustrated with this and be like there's nothing happening like where are we going when's the singing gonna come in yeah no i i definitely need to like actively let that let that go yes but that's so that's the thing is it's 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 freeing you the whole thing about like seeking sort of like a freedom i mean that's a lot of the people that i think sought out the community like electronic dance community were looking for freedom from oppressive parents or shitty jobs or music that didn't speak to them um yeah, it's yeah, the divergence between uh, this and punk. I find really interesting, and I think probably some good stuff has been written about this that that I should seek out um, because it seems like punk took those feelings and went in a very different direction. That was, uh, you know, sort of more just like you know, fuck um, like musical orthodoxy. You know, right. we just got three chords and. Right. Uh, you know, it was a much less racially diverse uh, movement. Massive Attack, in every interview I read and every video I watched of them talking, they described their music as punk. So they, like, yeah, they thought not. of themselves They thought of themselves as having a punk aesthetic in their minds. Yeah. And and so it's funny that you brought that up. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, you know, I think it's not punk, but I, I'm not saying that makes it any less valid no. as, as uh, you know, a rebellious movement. Right. Um, just that it's a it's a different way of going about it. Um, and can we listen to? I want to listen. So this album kind of like it's very, very, very hard for me not to just listen to the whole thing start to finish. Yep. Like it's almost like makes me anxious to be like, no, I want to listen to the well, whole thing. So far, start we've to listened to three songs in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Those were tracks three, four, and five that we've heard so far. Uh, so can we can we do um, group four? Okay, we're jumping ahead. I want to do group four and um, talk about just how genius this is. Okay. I think in a hundred years this is going to be playing at symphonies. This is going to be like symphonic. You think they're going to be symphonies in a hundred years? <laughs> 
I, I bet there have already been symphonic performances. No, I just mean like it'll be like uh, it'll but, be considered like a classic part of the canon. Yeah, it won't. It won't be like you know. Let's let's see if we can get a kid get to come people, to the symphony. Yeah, young, <laughs> like forty-year-old people. <laughs> right, young, right. Quote unquote young. <laughs> exactly. I'll yeah. play you know symphonic Metallica. See if we can get some of those. Wait, young did you people. start at one minute? Oh no, I forgot. You told me to start at one minute. Start at I one didn't. minute. go to an opera that this is the music oh yeah like, like i think i think that that's for I, me for me yeah. i'm really sick of like the same like 10 operas or the same 10 symphonies it's like there's there's only so much like tchaikovsky and shostakovich i want to hear mm-hmm. yeah for like, me the answer I, that number is zero so i think it would be so exciting like if there was like a if this music was was performed live and there was some like beautiful lighting and a story um, I think it would really invigorate who goes to those kinds of performances. So I, I'm going to try and not mention OK Computer on every episode, but I think... Uh, we need like a bell to hit. Exactly. Like, like some sort of... Like, <laughs> that, <laughs> like that a sound I, opinions when they mention Brian Eno. Just be exactly. like, no. Yes. So just, just I only I, can, mm-hmm. I, I should only get like, you know, maybe three yes. three per year. Something like that. <laughs> I was going to say three per episode. Three per episode? Okay, yeah, I'm great. I'm very generous. <laughs> um, I think that the... Uh, what reminds me, just remind me of OK Computer is that I think both this one and this album and that one are very explicitly i think trying to capture like a the way we live now sound like you know this is this is what it feels like to live in in uh, the world at this moment mm. um and uh and i think both captured that very successfully in a way that was that that you know honored the sort of like uh computerized robotic uh mechanical nature but also uh with lots of humanistic elements interesting i Yes, I think I so so I guess that's what I so there's storytelling that's going on here that isn't your traditional like vocals out front storytelling. Right. It's like you're in a world, a sonic world that feels very like specific to itself. Yes. It's very much a place that you get to like visit. Um I like that. So, I don't know. I think that's it's super immersive and um I find this to be like an album that when people like it, it's they've allowed it to be the soundtrack of their lives for so many years and so many different ways that it's almost becomes very spiritual, like Mm -hmm. a very like religious experience um, for people. And 
many of the people I reached out to that had the most uh, emotional connection to this album were women. Yeah. For whatever that means. Okay. Um, so what was your, what was another one of your picks? Uh, my my final pick, I think, is uh, Black Milk. You have to be patient. I, no, I love that. I love the. You have to learn how to be patient. That's the point of this music. I really do love the piano. I love how it just keeps like popping in and saying like, I'm going to, you know, we talked about this before. I don't remember which album, maybe the pavement album that uh, this uh, instrument that just pops in and, and, you know, gives you three notes and says, I'm here, <laughs> you know, just in the background. Don't forget about me. When that's done well, I just eat that up. Um, I think a band, you mentioned that this is, uh, that this uh, sound has inspired so many bands. One, one that comes to mind that I think definitely uh, is, you know, is working, in this uh, in this form, um, but in a more of a pop direction, is Stars. Okay. Um, the uh, Canadian band. Yeah. Um, and because uh, they, I, many of like the 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 like musical beds that that I'm hearing here could could be like the background of a Stars song, but then with much much more pop oriented vocals and probably higher tempo. Sure. Um, There's parts in this album that get really like grungy guitar. Yeah. That are like more like cure smashing pumpkins more of that like cocteau twins like we didn't get to any of those parts of the songs well but I, the, sorry yeah no so i think i think that there's there's so many that's the part where i mean there's like these different directions yeah that, like you're talking about one direction that, we're, we're, this that, week we're talking about one direction no 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 <laughs> <laughs> no you're right and so yeah i think it's we can listen to another song if you, if you know offhand which which one. Um, because uh, what I was gonna say was I listened to the Manic Street Preachers remix of Inertia Creeps, which has a lot more like grungy guitar. Yeah, and I was like, oh, now now I I know what's going on here. That's funny. You needed it reimagined. <laughs> just yeah, just a little bit. That's like my father with Radiohead. Like what made him like really seal his like appreciation for Radiohead was um, the classical piano. Uh-huh. album that someone did it oh, was sure. all the it was beautiful it was gorgeous um but then it made him kind of want to go back and like hear the how it sounded originally um i don't know this is one of those albums where i think when you originally reached out and asked people what their favorite albums were there was quite a few people that either said this album mm-hmm. or max and k by tricky yeah which i've heard pronounced other ways um <laughs> that, that was how i imagined it also there was i there's different ways to pronounce. Oh it. sure. Um, Tricky's a really interesting person. So anyone who's listening to this that wants to hear 
that we should go listen to that album, but also just kind of um, think about these people and their personalities and how how that how our society deals with people that are struggling with like you you touched on like anxiety and feeling like an outsider, yeah, um, depression or like whether the drug use is there to like self medicate. Um, Tricky is just a really fascinating human who's troubled and the, yeah. but but channeling it into just an amazing amazing art. And then um and we'll do that album, right? Maybe, sure. Um but also this idea that's emerged that Banksy the street artist is um Delnaya is super fascinating to me because in Chicago, I, most of my friends were street artists and a lot of them were struggling with a lot of like housing insecurity yeah. and like really difficult relationships with their families and um, a lot of confusion about like gender and the street art definitely helped them or just anger at like institutional racism or like class oppression and, um, kind of getting that out and the idea that someone mapped all of the massive attack concerts in the u.s and mapped them up with where banksy had put up <laughs> things and they, the, oh, dates, I love this. the dates coordinated i i love it like uh i hope this map was done both electronically and on a someone's wall with like photos and strings <laughs> conspiracy uh, theory. Yeah. yeah that's great um, it really it's you need a beautiful mind to solve this funny. problem that's funny but um it's like the best kept secret. Yeah. But but if you think about um, how this music creates like a foundation, a cultural foundation of a shared sense of... of um, these days when you go to like a race and social justice training, mm -hmm. they're like, we don't talk about melting pots anymore. We're going to talk about... Um, salad bowl yeah exactly right? it's like it's so cheesy but like everyone who's listening to this has been to those oh, trainings yeah. uh -huh. especially if you live on the west coast and it's fine like i i think that we do need those like cheesy metaphors sometimes to get through to some people that really don't understand what you're talking yeah. about at all but so i think of this album as kind of you can you can very very clearly hear all of those influences it's not mushed yeah. together and they're very intentional and they come in and out and they're very like in your face like now we're gonna do this turkish influence or now we're gonna i mean i think her singing is very reminiscent of kind of like when the theremin first came out yes and, like the yes, 1920s definitely. and 30s so there's something very classic and old-fashioned about um some of that and then uh, and then the dub influences, like uh, my brother did a lot of like DJing of dub classics and just like where the bass comes in and the quality of sound mm -hmm. of the bass um, is so important. And um, Angel would probably be the, we haven't listened to Angel. The first track? Yeah. So, and then Angel is a reimagining of a song that was from the 70s and the person singing Angel... Um, it was his song from, and he's like reimagined it. Okay. Something I think about this album is that a lot of us were feeling, at least I was feeling at the time, 
that we were coming to the end of a century. Yeah. And what did the century mean? And so I think maybe I'm giving it too much. Like this album might kind of be like looking back on the history of music over a century, kind of in the album in some ways. I think, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think they would be very pleased to, to hear that interpretation, <laughs> whether they were going for it or not. So can I ask a dumb, another dumb question? Mm-hmm. It is one of the reasons that these songs have these long, uh, like, fades in and fade, fade in and fade outs it, so that you can, like, match them up with other songs to, to like, crossfade while you're DJing? Or not necessarily? No, I think it's about, um, like, slowing down your expectations and changing your expectations of, like, what music is. Okay. And uh, getting in a different mental space. It's the same reason that you take drugs. So, like, so you take drugs to be, you take drugs to very intentionally put yourself in a space where you're going to be challenging your daily perceptions. So whether you're taking like acid to have hallucinations or you're taking like ecstasy to feel things in your body that you couldn't normally feel on your own, like, or you're getting high to like. For me, it like helps me fold my laundry. Sure. Like, which is really dumb, but like, it's like all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay, I can fold my laundry and not be like really angry right now that I have to fold my laundry. Yeah. Um. So I think this music, it's like forcing you to slow the fuck down. So it's like, I think. Um, so if you were, sorry, we're talking over the whole song. That's okay. We should just like let it play for a minute, so okay. and then not talk. those distorted guitars yeah, right and so that's kind of like that kind of reminds me of like early pink floyd yeah for sure um so if you're at the party and and they play this song is there is there a period when people are kind of swaying and it's and it's fairly quiet as it fades in over the first two minutes of the song or is it or does the dj kind of ride the fader so it never gets too quiet oh no no, no, no. there's quiet moments okay um and I mean, I haven't done this in so long, so I can't remember. There's different, there's different contexts. Yeah. So a lot of times it's just, it is like, I associate this album with like the morning after the party. Yeah. And like people are like making breakfast and like not really talking and kind of like, I think of this one particular morning where there was like eight of us in a two bedroom apartment in West Hollywood and everyone was like kind of like on the floor and on the couches and in the bedrooms and like kind of like stumbling into the living room. Yeah. And it was like that bright California morning where you're just like, Ugh. um, 
But yeah, every time I go back to LA, I like I forgot how bright it is. So bright. It's crazy. And so I think it's a it's it it keeps that like sense of community. It's like we all shared this thing last night and we're kind of all still in this like state together. I like that. Um and so definitely there wouldn't be a lot of talking cuz people are in different states of like pain. <laughs> Like, Everyone will be talking over the whole album like we do. Yeah, no. <laughs> All right. Um, are there are there like other uh, like you know quintessential uh, like electronic and electronic influenced um, albums from the nineties that, that we can do? Moon Safari by Air. Okay. Um, um, I know we'll do or the or the soundtrack to the Sofia Coppola Virgin Suicide soundtrack. Right. Um, that's so good. And. Um, uh, introducing, I feel like I could probably almost take the helm of. We'll see. Um, I'm trying to think of. I mean, I'm thinking of like the stuff that I listen to, like Beta Band. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. Well, how about this? Uh, go to facebook.com slash hidden jukebox. Uh, and uh, we want to hear your your memories of mezzanine, sexual or otherwise. Uh, and what, what other, especially the sex memories. I got so many good memories sent to me. It was awesome. Like people were like one woman who I don't know very well. She's like, I can't tell you it's too explicit. <laughs> like people are getting really shy and I'm just like, no, like, like that's awesome. Yeah. I liked it. I liked that. Like I immediately sent you back to this like really explicit memory. That's rad. Yeah. I mean, share, share those. Don't get us kicked off Facebook, but, uh, yeah, try and get us kicked off Facebook. Yes, we but, want to hear it. Yeah, uh, and uh, hiddenjukebox.com. Uh, and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. I'm Matthew Amster Burton. I'm Laura Lowe.